Y'all couldn't hear my loud southern voice? Yeah, just in case, precursor. If you have a hard time understanding, I will offer an accent-free translation at the end of the service today. Okay? Now, it is a pleasure for us to be here today to, to just spend this past weekend with the people of Grandview, the people of the Quad Cities. It's been an awesome opportunity for us. And we're excited to be here today, but there's nothing that gives me greater excitement than to teach and preach the Word of the Lord. So we're going to be in, in God's Word today, and I hope you're excited about that. I hope you're ready to dive in. I want to invite you to go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're looking at a passage today that I'm sure you have heard many times before. Jesus is teaching on the Sermon of the Mount, and he gets to a portion where he offers this description about what a believer should look like and how a believer should act. He gives us this description of salt and light, and we'll dive into that in just a moment, but I wanted to ask you a question. You'll have to understand, too, that I'm a person that typically, if I ask you a real question, and I'll let you know if it's a real question, I wouldn't mind a response. I know I grew up in church where the pastor asked a question and it was just silent. And I always thought nobody knew the answer. I was like, is everybody just not intelligent? What's going on? But maybe you've seen it. If you could if you show a hands today, anybody seen the movie Wonder? The movie Wonder is a fantastic movie. Came out in 2017 and about a fictional young man named Augie Pullman. And Augie has this uh, facial deformity, and, and I looked up the word, and I was like, I'm going to sound really smart and pronounce it, but I can't because it's too hard. It's like multi-something-something-something-that. And so we'll just say he's got a facial deformity. It's a lot easier that way. But Augie spent his life kind of locked in his house. His parents spent all this time to protect him from the world because, well, he was different than the rest of the world. But there became a point where they said, Augie, you need to go to school. You need to go to school and be surrounded by other children. You need to learn how to interact with people. And so Augie shows up to school the first day in a space helmet. And, and, and he is, he's got this feeling of, I'm going, to, I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to try to blend in. Now you can imagine, school's coming up soon, right? two weeks maybe, maybe further out than that, depending on how the pandemic continues to go. But can you imagine in a couple of weeks, you might look normal if you showed up with a space helmet on. But in 2017, we had no clue what this was. And so he shows up with a uh, space helmet on, and his sister comes up to him, and she says this this phrase that this still moves me now, and I, I, I tried to watch it this past week, and I watched the trailer over and over and over, and there was this one phrase his sister, his teenage sister says to him. She comes up to him. Right before he goes into school, she leans over to him with his space helmet on, and she says to him, she goes, you can't blend in when you were born to stand out. You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. She said that to me, and automatically my brain went to Matthew 5. Went to Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16. And so that's going to be our portion of Scripture. I want to invite you to stand as we read the Word of the Lord. We're going to honor the Word of the Lord by standing and giving it its attention.
The word of our Lord, in, starting in verse 13, says this. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Would you pray with me? Father God, we want to proclaim right now that your word is truth. God, that your word is our motivation today. God, that we would surrender to your word and not the words of a pastor. But to the very words of Jesus, the one who purchased my soul. The one who has rescued us from the enemy. God, today, would you help us see that we can't blend in. That we were born to be different. Lord, your word, let it guide us today. Thank you for your spirit in this room. We pray that it would move. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As you're being seated this morning, I want you to, to begin to, to grasp this idea. While these words were said by a teenage girl in a movie, it truly is who Christ has called us to be. Christ has called us out of darkness. He's called us out of death to make a change in this world. You were changed by Christ, so therefore we should change the world through the power of Christ. Can I tell you, in my power, it's not going to work. In your power, it's not going to work. In fact, Scripture tells us that we're weak, that we're feeble, that we are just dust. But the Lord's power can do more than you could ever hope, dream, or imagine. And so we get this idea where Christ is calling us. In this passage, He's calling us His believers. This is not a sermon where He is talking to the lost people. These are people who are following Him. Thousands of people who have followed Him to a mountainside. And He is telling them, listen, if you're going to be my people, you're going to be a different you're going to be a distinct people. In fact, the word used in, later in the epistles is that we're a peculiar people. You ever been called peculiar before? <laughs> so we don't use that word in the South. You're weird. <laughs> he called us to be a peculiar people. To be people who are not like everyone else. See, the two specific terms he uses here are specific to the people he's speaking to. He wants them to, to grasp that we are called to be salt. People in that region knew all about salt. Salt had great value to them, and they knew all about the light and the lack of light because they didn't have electricity. They couldn't do the beautiful things that we do nowadays. These beautiful blue, bluish lights above me, and blue is my favorite color, bluish colors above me, they could not do these type of things because darkness was rampant because it just happened. See, Jesus is telling them you're to be salt and light. And what I love about this is Jesus is not telling them 
They could be or they should be. He's telling them they have to be. If you're going to follow Jesus, you will be salt and you will be light. The question that we have to ask today is how salty are we? And how bright do we shine? I remember being in college and having uh, a roommate who we decided the best thing we could do was replace every light bulb in our house with a different colored light bulb. We were the weird people. We even got the hot glue and made designs on our light bulbs. We were years ahead of Pinterest. Years ahead of Pinterest. That will explain how old I am. But years ahead of these things. And we just thought it was the greatest thing in the world until we would invite girls over and they were like, y'all people are strange. It's not bright enough in here. I'm sometimes worried that non-believers look at the church and say it's not bright enough. That sometimes they look at us and they say, well, they taste the same as I do. So we're going to look at these two concepts today of the salt, and we're going to look at the concept of light. See, the thing that's great about both of those things is that they make a difference wherever they are. I don't know if you're like me, but I'll use a lot of salt when I cook. A lot of salt and a lot of heat. I'm a big fan of hot sauce. I'm the only one in my family that's a big fan of hot sauce. But we like salt. And it's not just regular salt. You got to have garlic salt, right? You got to have garlic salt. And, and in my part of the, of the world, I have uh, Tony Sacheries. Anybody ever heard of Tony Sacheries? I'll bring some, okay? <laughs> it's Cajun salt. I like heat, all right? So we get this Cajun salt, and it's got celery salt, and you've got salt salt, and pink salt, and black salt. And the great thing about salt is, guess what? It's all salty. Doesn't matter what kind of salt you are, you're just called to be salty, to make a difference in this world. This past year, 2019 statistics, 2020, let's just admit, has just been... It's actually a Greek word for what 2020 has been, and it's called baloney. <clears throat> All right? But, but in 2019, the world used eight, no, 80, I must say 800, 80 billion pounds of salt. 80 billion pounds of salt. Needless to say, we all have high blood pressure. Salt is, is what is the substance of the gods, according to Plato. Shakespeare would talk about salt in his plays. In fact, the Roman soldiers would be paid in salt. That's where, this, where the word salary comes from. Salt has this immense value, and as Jesus is speaking to these people, he is telling them, you are to be salt. And they are hearing him, and they are receiving him, and they are already beginning to process something you and I miss out on, because your salt usually comes to you directly in a little container. And Jesus is calling to them, telling them that they've got 
to influence the world around us. The first thing I want you to hear today is this, is that followers of Jesus should influence the world. Now, if you're a note taker, this is note number one. And be ready for sub point four, five, six, and seven coming in a minute. But see, Jesus calls us to be change agents. He calls us to naturally affect the world around us. And one of the things that we don't participate in as much is that salt preserves meat. Salt preserves food. They would kill an animal and pack it in salt. We call that bacon. This, just in case you have not noticed yet, this is body built by bacon. Okay? That's called bacon. They, you, we were talking about cure smoking meat yesterday. We were talking about that at lunch yesterday. I, I can't remember where the conversation started. We started talking about smoking meat and, and how you cure meat. You do all these things. I've never done any of that stuff, but I want to. But meat would decay. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have the cool double-door refrigerators and the freezer on the top and the fridge on the bottom and all those fun things we can do. They had to take care of what they had while they had it. And I'm not sure if we realize this, but just as meat decays, our world is decaying around us. The world is falling apart. Why is the world falling apart? I'll tell you why. I'm so glad you asked. Because right now, the prince of the power of the air is ruling the world. One day, the Savior is going to come back and claim his people. Oh, that day's coming soon, I pray. But the world is rotting around us. The world is falling apart. Where Moral decay is everywhere. You can't turn on the news today and not hear about a politician that's done something or even a pastor that's done something. Everywhere we look, the world is falling apart. And what we need to understand is, is we need to, yes, express our hatred for sin. We knew to express that in our own lives, this hatred for the sin of this world. But can I tell you what the world needs more than to know what we're against is to know what we're for. Yes, we're against uh, drugs and against racism and against all the evil things of this world, homosexuality and pornography. We're against those things. But we're for grace. And we're for love and mercy and freedom. And serving one another. We're for those things. And listen, if we're going to take that opportunity to stop the decay of the world, the world can't always hear no. The world needs to hear Jesus. I've got three slash four children. You know what word they hate to hear me say? No. In fact, one of them, God love her, I'll owe her a quarter after this, but Georgia, sweet little innocent Georgia, when she hears the word no, you know what she responds with? But. Daddy, can I do this? No, but. See, the world needs to not hear no. Yeah, there are things we need to take stands on without a doubt. But we need to not worry about things we stand up for unless it's from this. We need to stand up for the things of yes 
The things that God points us to, to love one another, to be Christ-like. And Paul says this, Paul says, look, Christian, you got to quit conforming to the world. We're to be transformed, to be made like Christ, to be renewed, to not suffer in death and decay continuously. See, that's why Jesus rescued us from that. So we could stand for him. See, we're to prevent decay. One of the other things about salt is this. Salt cleanses. Salt cleanses. Those of you that wear contacts, what kind of solution is the contact in? Saline, which is salt water. Why? Because it kills infection. You can't tell this right now because luckily there's light in my eyes and I'm just kind of blurted off anyway. But I have really poor eyesight. I have glasses. They're in the car. I tried to wear contacts once upon a time. My body rejects contacts and eats them like an infection. I'm not lying. You can ask my mother. They glue shut when I wear them. See, salt kills infection. See, Christians, we're to be that way. We're to, to put down the infection. We're to remove the wounds, to remove the disease. Salt draws out the infection by this cool process called osmosis. It leaves behind the good stuff and draws out the things that hurt. See, it's important for us to see that we've got to remove the sin in our own daily lives. Can we just confess for a moment? I love, I, I told, I'm, I'm, I've already warned him, I'm already going to give through this again and again and again. I'm stealing this from Pastor Brian. You're messy people. Anybody messed up? Those of you that aren't raising your hands, the altar will be open at the end of service <clears throat> for you to respond to the Lord's call to grace. Well, let's be honest, we're all messed up. We've all got sin in our lives, but you know what? We don't have to be satisfied with sin in our lives because Jesus is better. And he calls us to, to be salt that pulls out the evil in our own lives. In fact, <clears throat> the, the father of medicine, hypocrites. That's how we say it in the South. <laughs> would tell his people, to, his patients to sit in salt water. Just to sit in salt water and the ailments would go away. If you remember the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, it'd kind of be like the Windex that he would spray on everything. It just pulled out. Some of you got it. Some of you will be asking questions later. But how do we do that? How do we pull out the sin in our lives? I've already told you we're weak. We're feeble. How we do it is we submit to Jesus. We say, Lord, your will, your way, would you pull this out of my life? <clears throat> my ministry hero, his name's Jay Fletcher. He's my mentor. Uh, Jay was a phenomenal baseball player. Phenomenal baseball player. Actually was drafted by the Houston Astros to play years ago. And he wanted to go play baseball in college first. Now, he's from Louisiana. So LSU was where he wanted to play baseball. Before he ever got to step on the field at LSU, he tore his knee in a pickup basketball game. 
never got to step foot on the field. And he will tell you that the reason that happened is because God knew that baseball had to die as an idol in his life. Now, I know some of you right now love baseball and you're sitting there thinking, I like my knees. I don't want to do that. But when you make something an idol, I can promise you this, God will take it from you. He will kill it. He will slay it and you will be the better for it. See, Jesus sees the sin in your lives. He says, I want to take that from you. I want to make you better. I want to grow you. But it comes by relying on him and daily submitting to Jesus. See, not only does salt help with wounds, not only does salt uh, have a de- stop decay and stop rotting, it also does this. It gives flavor. It makes things taste better. I'm going to go ahead and say this to you, okay? I salt everything that comes to the table. People say that's rude. I'm the one that's got to eat it. We would have, fa- we have family Thanksgivings when, when all of our family was still alive and, and, and healthy. We would have family Thanksgivings. And, and I have an aunt named Kathy that, Kathy, the moment she scooped the food onto her plate, first thing she did, she threw it in the microwave, which made no sense to me. But then she would take the salt and just... And you think I'm kidding. It's just still going. Like she's salting it. All the rest of us are sitting down. We're to dessert. And she's just still salting. Kathy, I had started blood pressure medicine a few years ago. See, salt changes things. It just makes it so much better. See, while we're called to not just preserve the world, we're called to enhance the world. See, I believe this is true of of our lives. If we would be willing to be Christ-like everywhere we go, it would be a different place. You know, it's interesting. When I've talked to lost people, they actually tell me they don't like Christian people, not because Christian people have been snotty or, or rude, but because Christian people haven't acted like Christ. I know of a school where a friend of mine who is a Christian ended up leaving because after the first year, they told him they didn't want him there anymore because he didn't make it better. See, people should want Christians there. People should want Christians to be a part of their team, should want Christians to be a part of their neighborhood, should want Christians to hold political office only when we act like Christ. Can we just testify for a minute that there are times we don't act like Jesus? But if there's more times we don't act like Jesus than we act like Jesus, then we need to check our hearts. And we need to check our eternal destination. Because if we're calling ourselves followers of Jesus and living like the world, then we're truly misrepresenting our Savior. And Jesus will address that here in a minute. I want to share one other thing that salt does, and I think it's vitally important for us to picture this. As I'm drinking water, salt makes you 
thirsty. Right? One of the tricks I learned several years ago is when traveling late at night, I ate sunflower seeds. I was told by a deacon in the church I was serving, he said, if you do that, your mouth is constantly moving, therefore you're not able to fall asleep. Now, I talk in my sleep sometimes, so I don't know how that works, but I was sitting there, and I was, I was thinking about this on the way here. I had a bag of seeds. We got here at 3.15 Friday morning. Yes, praise the Lord for coffee and sunflower seeds. But I was sitting there, and I was sucking on those sunflower seeds, getting all that salt, all that yummy, tasty salt. And the inside of my mouth felt like a prune, just shriveled up real tight. And I was like, I really wish I hadn't finished my coffee because I was thirsty. And he got me thinking about Jesus himself when he says to the people, he tells them this, he says, I am the living water. And he says, oh, if you're thirsty, come and drink from me. See, when we, the salt of the earth, get plugged in to the earth and to the people around us, they begin to salivate. They begin to go, I want what they've got. In fact, there's a verse in Paul writes in 2 Corinthians that says, we are the aroma of Christ to the world. It automatically brings me back to my childhood. I would spend a lot of weekends at my grandparents' house because my mother would work two jobs in order to provide for me, a single parent. <clears throat> and my grandmother, every Saturday morning, I would wake up to the smell bacon it's almost a religious experience in itself i would lay i would be laying there she would make a pallet for me in the floor every uh, friday night and i would lay in the floor and i would begin to smell it then you hear that sizzle right that's and then that occasional pop of the grease and i remember waking up with just drool not because I slept that hard, okay? But because the smell of the bacon affected me in such a way that there was no way I could sleep through it. There was no way I could resist it. I had to have it. Amen? You're all hungry now. But that's what I want us to understand about if we are followers of Christ, if we are salt... In this world, the people of this world will thirst for Christ. And then when they come to us and they say, why are you different? Why are you different from everybody else? Why do you love me when nobody else does? Why do you care? Why do you help the hurting? You can look at him and just say, I'm being the bacon of Jesus. I'm just, I'm just being Jesus. Jesus affected everybody he came across. Think about the woman at the well. She's come to him in the middle of the day when people didn't go to the well. And Jesus could have looked at her and said, you sinner. But instead, he offered her water. The living water. He offered her life. 
yeah, the world around us is rotting. The world around us is falling apart, man. It's sad to think about the future of this world that my children are growing into. I just remind myself if we'll be like Jesus, the world can change. We start right here. Right here in Grandview. And then you hit the, the neighborhood. And then you hit the Quad Cities. And then you pray for Illinois. <laughs> I tease. Do pray for their roads. They need lots of help. But b- believers, if we truly, truly follow Christ, we'll make a difference. See, there's this warning that comes, though, here at the end of verse 13. It says, but if salt has lost its taste... How shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. I want to warn you, if you take your salt shaker at home and you dump something out and it's not salty, somebody is pranking you. It's probably one of my kids. But back then they understood this. If something lost its salt, how they got salt was they would take water from the Dead Sea. They'd throw it in a trench and let the sun evaporate the water and then they had salt. Well, that salt was full of all kinds of impurities. That salt was full of magnesium and iron and probably some things we don't want to talk about, but full of impurities. And they heard this statement of salt losing its saltiness and they understood it's not pure salt. It's salt that's got things in it that don't belong. Can I tell you, Christian, the reason we're maybe not being as salty as we've been called to be is because we've got impurities in our lives? See, when you say stuff like that, you really pray for an amen. And you just get a mmm. Because you know you're sitting there thinking about your spouse or your friend or your kid sitting next to you that's falling asleep. The reality is that the impurities in our lives make us less salty. And the way Jesus says this, it says it's to be trampled out on the ground. And maybe you look at that and you say, well, that's just throwing away salt. But is the Lord going to throw me away? What they did is they threw salt on the roads. I hear that y'all have snow here. When white stuff falls from the sky, I'm unaware of what that is. But I hear that y'all have that. What do they throw on the roads? Salt. See, when Jesus is saying this, and he's saying that we're going to throw it out to be trampled on, he's saying it's going to provide traction for other people. Because people will look at a suffering believer, and they'll either see persecution or they'll see praise. So the Lord is not saying, I'm going to get rid of you if you've got some impure things in your life. He says, I'm going to use you in a different way. So I want you to hear this right now. If you're struggling, if there are impurities in your life, if there are things that are holding you back, God's not going to cast you out. He's going to find another way to use you. Can I just warn you, you may not like it. But to be used by God is the ultimate goal. We move on into the next portion of this passage. And I'm looking, I was told I had to... Till 12, is that right? 
you can always count on the pastor to say that. <clears throat> I want us to jump real quickly into, into verse 14. This is Jesus, and, and I love this, these words. I love the way he says this. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Oh, man, to be called a light by the, by the Creator is this powerful concept. He says, you are the light of the world. And what is so impressive about that is if you look over in John chapter 1, as John's writing what I believe is the most beautiful introduction to any book in the Scriptures. He says, the light came into the world. And the world didn't know him. But he also says this. He says the light went into the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. Can I tell you, Christian, that no matter how dark this world is, you will overcome. But can I tell you the beautiful reason you'll overcome? Jesus. You can, yeah, that's okay. Get it, man. We can do more than one. Woo! You're light because Christ is light. Oh, I gotta read, I tell you, I get excited about the word, so just hold on. John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will live in the light. How does this work? Jesus says he's the light. Then he tells us you're the light. How is this going to work? See, you're getting spiritual on me. I was going to get scientific, but we'll work. <clears throat> here's, here's it is. The moon. The moon has no light of its own. You know that? The moon reflects the light of the sun. Mm. Just like the moon reflects the light of the sun, you and I are to reflect the light of the sun. And see, even the moon has power. Amen? You've seen it. You ever, I know we're a long way from, away from an ocean right now. But the tides are affected by the moon. But ultimately, the tides are affected by the light of the sun. See, this, this is where we get this idea that we... We have authority. You know how? Because the Lord gave it to us. Great commission. He says, oh, I've given all power. I've given all the power and authority. I'm giving you some power and authority. Go be a light. See, the darkness can't defeat the light no matter how hard it tries. We've got to be plugged into the light source. I'm going to owe a quarter now to the birthday boy. Caleb has a nightlight. Has a little football nightlight. He's, a, I mean, he's seven, a little afraid of the dark sometimes. It happens. But you know how, where often I find his nightlight? Unplugged in the floor. Son, if you're afraid of the dark, plug it in. Christian, if you want to shine forth the light of Christ, guess what? Plug in. Y'all are smarter than I am and faster than I am. Plug in. 
Oh, so many people that I talk to talk about they're struggling in their walk with Christ. And I ask them, are you plugged into a church? Are you plugged into a Sunday school class? Are you plugged in into a servant area of ministry? Because let me tell you, you've got to plug into God's plan. His power and His Spirit. Baptist churches don't often talk about the Spirit. We got to be in the Spirit or we're ruined. We're wrecked without the Spirit of God. He says that we're like a city on a hill. It cannot be hidden. Back in the ancient world, they had lanterns and torches all around the walls of the city so travelers at night could see the light ahead and go, oh, there's hope. Oh, there's rest. There's refuge. Can I tell you, church, right now, if this church is not lit for Christ, then the world sees no hope. The world sees no rest. The world sees no refuge. Oh, may it never be said of Grandview that it's not a place of refuge for the lost. That it's not a place for the weary to find rest. It's not a place for the hopeless to find hope. We've got a world looking for that right now. And they're filling it with all kinds of other things. And we have the one thing that will never, never stop working. That's Jesus. See, light brings hope, but light also exposes the darkness. Darkness is afraid of light. That's why it fights so hard. That's why evil fights so hard. See, light points out the places of danger. And protects us from the enemy. See, light also attracts other things. Back when I was younger and thinner and had hair, I played football. And I remember a lot of the games that, that my team played in, I won't, not trying to be braggadocious or anything, but we were pretty good. Normally by the fourth quarter, I was sitting on the sidelines watching I was not sitting on the sidelines the rest of the game. But by the fourth quarter, I was sitting on the sidelines watching. Our coach had one rule when on the sidelines. He didn't turn around and talk to the people in the stands. And so often I would catch myself looking up at stadium lights. You ever notice that stadium lights have thousands of bugs? You ever notice that? Am I the, I'm the lone person that does, watches that? Why do all those bugs flock to that light? It's warmth. It's attractive. It draws them in. Brother and sister, right now I tell you, if we will shine the light of Christ, if we will shine the light of Christ, There won't be an empty room in a church for miles. Miles. You'll be building a new sanctuary because there's nowhere to put anybody. Because lost people are attracted to Jesus. 
that he says that we're a city on a hill. We cannot be hidden. Not that he didn't say this is a city on a hill that we shouldn't be hidden or we won't be. He says you're not going to be hidden. If you're living for Christ, you're not going to rob him of his glory. It says this as he draws to the end. He says that you do your good works to glorify who? Your Father in heaven. Don't you rob Jesus of his glory by hiding your light. Can you imagine standing before the Lord on judgment day and getting the account of your wrongs and him saying, you robbed me of my glory. Oh. Ripped my heart out. We don't do good deeds so people will look and go, that Grandview's a great church. We don't do good deeds so people will go, oh, that Doug, <laughs> he's a great guy. We do our good deeds so they look to the Savior. Oh, that they would fall in love with Jesus. Because we've fallen in love with Jesus. As we draw to an end today, I want to want to offer you a chance to, to fall in love with Jesus. Maybe today you're sitting in this room and you have never fallen in love with the one who changes everything about you. Who doesn't bring you to behavior modification, but brings you to new creation. Maybe, maybe you've never met that guy. Or maybe today you've got some of those impurities in your life that you're sitting there going, Pastor Wade, I just... I can't change things because I'm just like everybody else. I want to give you that chance today to, to repent. I don't like the word rededicate. Ugh. That's not in the Bible. Words repent. To turn from your sin and to run to Jesus. If you need to do that today, I want to offer you that chance. I want to ask the worship team to, to return to stage, if you would, for just a moment. I want to offer a word of prayer, and we're going to ask if any of the elders or Pastor Brian would like to come down. I'm just going to have them play a song over us today and give you a chance to respond. Respond to the call of Christ to be salt and light, to make a difference in this world. Let's pray.